you have your Bible, we're going to go into Matthew's Gospel today. Matthew chapter 2. Carol Reza handed this to me right before I sat down. It's so good, I've got to share this with you. Braddy Bart <laughs> sat down to write out his Christmas list. He decided to go over Santa's head. Dear Jesus, he wrote. <laughs> if I get the following presents, I won't fight with anyone for a whole year. Then he thought to himself, mm, I can't keep that promise. So he tore up the paper and he started over. Dear Jesus, he wrote, if I get the following presents, I will eat all my vegetables for a whole year. Mm -hmm. He paused and thought, I can't keep that promise either. He balled up the paper and tossed it in the trash. After some thought, he went to the living room, removed the figurine of the Virgin Mary from the fireplace mantle, wrapped it in a paper towel, and hid it in the back corner of his bedroom closet, Dear Jesus, he then wrote, if you ever want to see your mother again, <laughs> I like that. Thank you for bringing some joy and laughter to us. Ah. Matthew chapter 2. Verse number one, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and this is the prophet Micah, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler, who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search carefully for the young child. When you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Somebody say, yeah, right. <laughs> when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with his, with his mother Mary, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Father, we thank you for this another opportunity that we have to be in your house and worship you in your house. We ask that you teach us today and show us things. Have your way in our lives, God. We are excited about the change that is occurring even now. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, 
Jesus is no longer in the stable. Jesus has left the barn. Elvis might have left the building. Jesus has left the barn. He's not in the stable anymore. He's not in the manger. A lot of people like to keep him in a manger. Less threatening for a little bitty baby in a manger, right? He's not in the manger. Don't keep him in the manger. He grew. He went from the stable to the house. And I want to talk to you a few minutes this morning about this transition from the stable to the house. The wise men were on a mission. There's a few things we know about the wise men. There's a few things we don't know about the wise men. There are some mysteries that surround the wise men. For instance, it's a mystery to know exactly where they came from. They were summoned by Herod. But where exactly did they come from? It does say they came from the east. Probably Babylon or this region of the country. We do not know exactly how many wise men came. The Bible tells us three gifts were presented. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so, over time, it has become our tradition that three wise men came. But I don't believe that that was, in fact, the case. But because it would be too much trouble to change all of the pageants and all of the cantatas and all of the production, we're going to leave it with three wise men. We would even have to change one of the carols. We three kings. So we're just going to leave that, okay? But we don't know exactly how many did come. Another mystery, we don't know exactly when they arrived. And I don't want to burst anyone's bubble but they did not arrive on the night that Jesus was born. And not to burst another bubble, Jesus was not born on December the 25th. All right? And I'm not being blasphemous here. I'm not being sacrilegious here. We happen to celebrate on December the 25th the birth of Jesus, and we call it Christmas Day. Christ must day. But it's not tr truly the day. It's, it's not thought that it was truly the day that he was born. But for me, I don't care if he was born on December the 25th or August the 22nd or, or any time in between either date. I'm just thankful that he was born. I'm thankful that he was born. But we, we observe it then. We honor, we honor the, the birthing of the Messiah on this day. We don't know exactly when they arrived, but they did not arrive the night of his birth. We don't know how they knew that the star was the signal. It talks about them being guided by the star, but how did they know to even look at a star, look for a star? There's some things we just don't know. As I was preaching this morning, I shared some of this and. Gary Leonardville pulled me aside later. He said, here's another something that we don't know. And he said, it would be an interesting study. I don't know if he'll get to it before I do, but I think he's right. What happened to the gifts that were presented? You ever thought about that? They were presented with gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
Very, very costly gifts. Very possibly enough money represented in these three gifts to, to fund any number of things. But another mystery that we don't know. Here's a few things that we do know. We know that the men who eventually found their way to Jesus were wise. The Bible tells us they were wise men. We do know that wise men still seek the Savior. How many wise men do I have in the house here today? Any wise women in the house here today? The wise men sought the Savior and wise men still seek the Savior. Jeremiah, in fact, 29, 13 tells us, if, uh, and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Seek for the Savior this season. Seek for the Savior this week. If you do, you're going to find him. It's wise to seek him. We know that the wise men did not arrive at the stable. How do we know this? Well, go back to our text. Look at verse number 11. It says, And when they came into the house, it was very clear where Jesus was born. There are details that have been given and preserved so that they could be passed down from generation to generation describing the actual birthplace of the Messiah. No room in the inn. So they go to the stable. They go to the barn. He was laid in a manger. But the kings, the wise men, they don't go to the manger. They don't go to the stable. It says when they arrived at the house. It prompted some thought in me and led me to lay this sermon out for you today. I want us to learn from the wise men who went from the stable to the house in Bethlehem. I want you to jot down a few things that I believe will be so valuable for you. Get a pen and paper out. First of all, it's wise, folks. It's wise to have Jesus in your house. One of the wisest things you could do is first of all, accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. There's wisdom in this. He'll show you how to live. He'll, he'll, he'll remove things that are detrimental and dangerous to your life. He will give you things that you could not receive any other way. It is wise to accept Christ, but it's also wise to have Jesus in your house. To some, Jesus only lives in the church building. And while I hope that when you enter this particular room or any place on this campus, I hope and trust that you sense the presence and the power of Christ. I pray every day, Lord, let your, let your spirit permeate every inch of our property. I believe our, our grass ought to grow different than the neighbor's grass just because of the Spirit of God that is here. I'm serious when I tell you. I believe that when somebody even drives by, they should be compelled to turn into the parking lot. Somebody walking by just drawn into the house. So while I hope and pray that when you come into this particular house, the house of the Lord, that you feel His presence, He cannot be confined to this room. He must not be confined 
to the church building, and too many people want to leave him in this house, and they don't end up taking him to their house. They attend church to feel Jesus in the services. But do you know that the feeling that you feel in church, you can actually have that at home too? You can actually have that in your house. They, they feel that when they leave, they leave Jesus here. And some people actually would prefer that. They really don't want to take Jesus everywhere that they go. Because I don't think he'd be pleased with some of the places that believers, right? Some of the places where believers go. Some of the things that believers participate in. Some of the things believers say. So they would just as soon leave him in the church. Well, guess what? It doesn't work that way. Or don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And what that means is you are housing the very presence of God. If you have accepted Christ as your Savior. Anybody here that, that qualify, you qualify in this area already? You've accepted Christ as your Savior. Then you are housing His Spirit. He's living in you. He's dwelling in you. And so everywhere you go, Jesus goes. He's got to be welcomed in your house. It's wise to have Jesus in your house. He needs to be recognized in your house. I found out that Jesus can do a lot in the house. In fact, in Peter's house, he brought healing. Mark chapter 1 and verse number 29 says, Now as soon as they came out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon, which is Peter, and Andrew, his brother, with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother, Peter's mother-in-law, she lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he came, he took her by the hand, and he lifted her up, and immediately, the Bible says, the fever left her, and she served them. At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed, and the whole city was gathered together at the door of the house. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases. He cast out demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. All of this took place not not in the synagogue, not in the house of God, but in Peter's house. Healing the sick, healing many who were diseased, casting out demons in the private house. I found out in Zacchaeus' house something else took place. And this is in Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a, a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd and because he was short. So he ran ahead, he climbed up in the sycamore tree to see him because Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, looked up and he saw him and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I'm going to your house. So he came down, he made haste, and he received him joyfully. But when the others saw it, they all complained, saying, He's going to be with a guest with a man who is a sinner. Mm -hmm. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of all my goods to the poor, 
And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will restore this fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he is also the son of Abraham. This did not happen in the house of God. This happened in the house of Zacchaeus. Salvation came to the house. Healing came to the house of Peter. Lazarus also opened up his doors, the doors of his home, the doors of his house. And something happened here as well. John chapter 12, verse number 1. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him supper. They invited him into the house. Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary... Lazarus and Martha's sister, she took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard. She anointed the feet of Jesus. She wiped his feet with her hair. And the house, somebody say the house. The house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who later would betray him, said, Why is this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not always have. Healing came to the house of Peter, healing his, his mother-in-law and many who were diseased. Salvation came to the house of Zacchaeus and worship came to the house of Lazarus. Let me ask you this. Is Jesus comfortable in your house? Is he welcomed in your house? Folks, I, I believe this is such practical teaching. It's rubber meeting the road teaching right here. Because we can come into this place every week and we can put on our, our, our face and we can put on our mask and we can say, God bless you and I'm blessed. And I, you know, we, can, we can do all that. And then we leave out of here and it's a different thing at home. If we can learn to live at home the way we live here, we can, we, we can be so much more effective for the kingdom. Is he comfortable in your house? Is he comfortable with your conversations? What kind of conversations are occurring in your house? How are you talking to one another? How are you talking to your spouse? How are you talking to your children? What conversations are going on on the phone? Oh, let me go here a minute. See, sometimes we love to get on that phone. Even, we even, we'll even disguise it and say, now I'm just telling you this so you can pray about it. And all we're really trying to do is gossip about somebody who's down on their luck. And we don't even know if that's true or not. I heard a little birdie told me, the way I hear it is, mm -hmm, and we'll start talking about people. Is Jesus comfortable in your home? Is he pleased with the conversations that are occurring in your home? What about the attitudes that are being conveyed in your home? See, he died. Listen to me today. Jesus died to change who we are. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. 
I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The problem is people come to Christ and they live the same way they did before Christ. There should be a distinct and obvious difference in your attitude after you come to Christ. And you can no longer say, well, my mama was that way, and my grandmama was that way, my daddy was that way, and his dad was that way. That's just my disposition. That's just who I am. And then you go off on somebody. Is Jesus pleased with the attitudes that are coming forth in your home? He died to change your attitude. He sacrificed himself to make you a new person. How about this? Is Jesus pleased with the entertainment in your home? Somebody reach over and just pull your belt, belt, seat belt over, just that imaginary seat belt over. You're going to have to buckle up on this. And there's some seasoned, seasoned saints here today that this is such a non-issue for you. And we thank God for that, and we look to you as an example. But for many in this room, this is a settled matter. So all I need from you is preach it, Pastor, or amen, okay? But I'm just telling you, we've got this generation of believers coming up that think they can have anything in their home that they want to and still please God. And I'm here to tell somebody today, it's not so. You cannot just live any way you want to and bring all of this garbage into your home and ingest it into your spirit and then please God. It can't be done. Is Jesus comfortable in your house? Is he comfortable in your home? Is he, is he pleased with what you are viewing and what you are listening to? We bring, we bring worldly garbage into our houses and into our homes and wonder why we are struggling in our finances, wondering why we're struggling in this area, wondering why we're sick in our bodies even. See, you can't eat manure and it not make you sick physically. This dad's two little boys heard about this movie and they said, oh dad, we gotta go, everybody's going to this movie. PG-13. Mm -hmm. So his dad naturally says, well, what, you know, he asked about the rating, and then he said, well, why is it rated that? Well, there is some language, but just a little bit. It's right at the beginning, and then the rest of it is so good, and, and it has this message, even spiritual. You, you know, we need to spiritualize some things, try to justify it. There's a spiritual message in this, right? Just four times, they only say the F word four times. And it's at the beginning, and then it's over. So, we, you know, you got to kind of brace yourself for that. But after that, man, it's such a good movie. And they go back and forth, and the dad finally just says, well, I'm not going to let you go. You're not going to see it. I don't care if everybody's seeing that. And, oh, they were so frustrated. They just thought, it's just a little bit. Later that day, the dad calls the boys in. He said, I, I got something special for you. And they could already tell something, something had been cooking. He, he made some brownies for them. 
And he said, listen, guys, I, I went to the cupboard and I got all the best ingredients. Ghirardelli chocolate, nothing but the best for you. I got that fine sifted flour. I, I got all the best ingredients. And there is a, a, a secret ingredient that I'm not going to tell you about yet, but it's all organic. And they said, well, what is it? What is it? What is it? And he said, well, okay, I'm going to tell you. I went out to the backyard and I scooped up a little dog poop. Just a little bit. You won't taste it. You wouldn't even know it was in there if I didn't tell you it was in there. Enjoy. You know, I don't mean to be crass today, but that's exactly what it's like. It's like we're eating brownies with dog dirt, spiritually speaking. We justify it all day long. Well, still, I, I, it's just good. I like that actress. I just, she's just good. I like that actor. So I'm going to see everything he, he does. Don't even care about if it's what it's doing to your spirit. what we're listening to. I mean, the, the list goes on. I, I know I, I camp out on this every so often, but I really want you to learn how to live this life. You know, every, every so often, and, and usually around the first of the year is a great time to do this. I'm going to ask you to do this. I want you to pray about what maybe God would have you purge out of your house. Ask him. You know what? He'll tell you. <laughs> he will. We do this ever so often. And what God asks us to do as pastors and even senior pastors, uh, he won't require of, of anybody else, even the other staff. Some of it is just God asking me, God asking Karen. But he will require something of you, I, I bet. And sometimes it's not even really uh, necessarily bad. It's just, do you want more of him? You want more of it? What are you going to get rid of to make room for him? Sometimes we just clutter our lives with stuff, and there's no room for more of the Holy Spirit. There's no more room for his word. We're full up. Take inventory and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in purging some things out of your life. I remember one time we did it, and Elliot and the, well, the kids, they brought a movie, which I thought was fine. Honestly, there was no, no language in it. But they felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to get rid of it. Wow. Is he pleased in your house? It's wise to have Jesus in your house. It's wise also to worship Jesus in your house. It says back in our text, verse number 11... When they entered the house, they fell down and they worshipped him. Wow. Worship has a way of lifting our hearts to praise God for all that he is and all that he's done. And God has done some amazing things. God has done some powerful things in your life. Worship him in your house. Magnify him. To magnify is to enlarge. You take a magnifying glass and you put it on the bug and the bug gets bigger. The psalmist says, magnify the Lord with me. 
And let us exalt or extol his name. God is so much bigger than whatever you might be facing right now. And when you worship him and magnify him, you will see that. You will find that God is bigger than the physical problem that you're facing. God is bigger than the financial struggle that you might be in right now. God is bigger than the relational issues that you're sorting through right now. Worship God and magnify Him and praise Him. He's still God. He was God yesterday. He's going to be God tomorrow. And He is in control. Worship and bless His name. Just like, the, just like Job did. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be His name. Boy, if we can get to that place, the enemy, he, he can't get to us. I'm going to worship him anyway. I'm going to worship him when the sun shines and when the rain falls. I'm going to still get to the house of God and I'm going to worship him. And I'm not just going to do it in the house of God, I'm going to do it in my own house. It's wise to worship God in your house. My question now is how long since you thank God for salvation in your house? How long since you knelt in prayer in your house? How long since you opened the Word of God and read the Bible in your house? How long since you gathered your children around and read the Word of God to them in your house? How long since you praised God in song in your house? I gave the first service some homework. I believe I'll pass it on to you as well. You ready? This week, I want you especially, some already do this, amp it up, notch it up. This week, I want you to make a strategic effort to get praise and worship going on in your house. If you don't have any, I know at least of one good CD. It's the La Palma Christian Center Choir CD. I know that thing's anointed. It's not perfect by any means. It's raw. There's mistakes on it, but it's anointed, and I believe it will usher you and lift you up. Get that one. I'll sell it to you for half price today. I'm just telling you, I want you to get worship going in your house, in every room of the house. Start your day with worship. This week especially, this week of nativity, let worship start your day. Give God thanks and praise. I was... Reminding the first service that God is Emmanuel, which is God with us, and that He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And if we would just think Jesus is in this house, we would live differently in our home. So here's another bit of homework. When you set the table for dinner or lunch or whatever it is this week, set an extra place setting and pull another chair up to the table. Leave it empty and just leave that one for Jesus. I mean, physically do this. I, I, want, I want us to do this together. Let's set another place setting for Jesus. And it'll just remind us He's here. He's here. We may not be able to wrap our arms around Him and hold Him and touch Him. We're not going to see Him this week physically, but He is here. And it will help us to live our lives the way that would please Him. So set another place setting at dinner time. Pull a chair out of the garage or out of one of the spare bedrooms or wherever it might be and pull that up around the table for Jesus this week. I, I, I just like that. I think that'll be good. It's also wise, as I close here today, it's wise, folks, to recognize Jesus as Lord. We know Him as Savior. 
So many in this room know him as a healer and a deliverer. But is he Lord? Lord suggests that he is above everything. We want to kind of say, now, you stay here, Jesus, because you're not going to like where I'm going. I'm going to go clubbing. Uh, I'll pick you up before we head to church on Sunday morning, but Saturday night I'm going to go clubbing, so you just stay here. I'm going to let somebody have it, and you wouldn't be pleased with that, so you stay here. See, he's with us always, but is he Lord of everything? He desires to be Lord. And wisdom says, Jesus, you are Lord. Back to our text one more time. When they came into the house, they saw the young child with his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. And they presented their treasures. They opened their gifts. Gifts of gold, of frankincense, and of myrrh. Gold, by the way, is the symbol of royalty, deity. There's going to be a lot of gift giving this, this next Saturday. But you'll only give the best gifts to the one who means the most to you. When Karen turned 40, <laughs> that's several years ago now. She's the hottest 40-something I've ever seen now, I'm just telling you right now. She looks better now than she ever has her whole life. i got to tell the truth and shame the devil. Karen turned 40 a few years ago. I found this ring. It was all gold. It, was, it just was totally her. You got it on, don't you? She got it on, her 40th. But it was so worth it to me. Because it, it's, it's like royalty for me. I mean, I'm married so far up, it's not even funny. What are you looking at? How many married up and you're thankful? <laughs> Come on, man. Oh. See, gold, you give that to somebody that's very, very important in your life. They presented gold to royalty, to a king, to deity. God has been born. It was your 20th anniversary? I knew it was something special. It wasn't your 40th? I know it was a special occasion. Now I'm really in trouble. I'm going to have to go get another gold ring. You don't just present gold to anybody. In fact, of all the people that I'm getting gifts for this year, none of y'all getting gold. I'm just telling you. My family back home, they're not getting gold. You present that to royalty, to deity. The Ark of the Covenant was made of gold. The Ark of the Covenant housed deity in, in days of old and in the Old Testament time. In fact, one guy saw it off balance, and he just went to steady it, boom, God struck him dead. So powerful. Anybody know what the streets in heaven are going to be made out of? Gold. 
gold. Frankincense. Here's another costly, costly item. Not all could have access to frankincense. Frankincense is incense. And it was used in the temples. And this speaks of our Lord's high priestly work. The great high priest has come. The great priest of all is being born. Do you know he's still functioning as the great high priest today? The Bible tells us that he sat down at the right hand of the Father, where he sits to this day, waiting to be summoned to go and get his bride. And while there, he's making intercession for you. He's making intercession for me. He's praying for us. Wow. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. Myrrh was a costly perfume. Speaks of the suffering of Christ. It was commonly used for embalming the dead, which ties us not just to the birth, but also to the death. Speaks of the crucified Christ. Is He Lord? Is He Lord of your relationships? Is He Lord in the business place? In the workplace? Is He Lord in your marriage? Lord with your children? Only you can answer this. Perhaps adjustments will need to be made this next year. It looks like that God is going to allow us to go into 2011. And as I say that, I also interject, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Why don't you say that with me? Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come on, say it one more time. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. You ought to interject that just very routinely. As you make calendar plans and whatever, which we will do, we should, we should always be thinking, even so, Lord, come quickly. But if he doesn't, and we're allowed to actually turn the page, a new calendar year, I want to ask you this. What adjustments could be made should be made so that he is Lord in your house. Can't leave him in the barn. Can't leave him in the stable. The wise men went to the house. It just prompted all of these thoughts for me about them coming to, what if it were my house? What if it were your house? I want you to bow your heads and ponder this today. We used to sing this chorus growing up. For he is Lord. He is Lord. He has risen from 
dead and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Head still bowed. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor Steve, I, I, I know that there are adjustments that need to be made in my house. I, I've, I've seen this. The Holy Spirit is showing me this. And I want to make those changes. Pray for me. If that's you, lift your hand and just put it right back down. That's right. That's right. Are there things that you could purge? Areas that could be cleaned up? Perhaps even just things that you could sacrificially surrender to God to have more room for Him. Lift your hand and put it right back down. It'll indicate to me, Pastor, this is me. Pray for me. Now, Father, you see the various hands that have been lifted. And I thank you for using your word today to challenge us in our houses and in our homes. Holy Spirit, I pray that you do what only you can do. Show us these things, these areas that we could rid, purge, areas of even sacrifice that we could give to you. And we give you thanks and praise. Just one more thing, with heads still bowed, I wonder if there's anyone here that you're ready to accept Christ as your Savior. You see, He came to save mankind. But we also have a role to play in, in being saved. We must call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. We are not just saved by osmosis. We're not just saved because we cross our fingers and hold our breath and blow out birthday candles and wish for something. We are saved on purpose by accepting God's plan for salvation, which is His Son, Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want to accept this gift of salvation and eternal life, and I want to receive Christ, I want you to lift your hand and put it right back down so I can pray for you. Yes. Is there anyone else? Come on, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. No man is promised tomorrow. Lift your hand and let me pray for you before we leave this room. Anyone else? Come on, just lift your hand. I'm going to ask you to take a very, very courageous step. But remember, we are one great big family here that love one another. And we've all had our fair share of ups and downs and mistakes. If you've lifted your hand, I want to make sure that this is, this is sealed and complete. So I want you, we're all going to stand in a moment. And as everyone stands, I want you to slip out from where you are and come and meet me right here. The water fields are going to be here, and they're going to help us and lead you in prayer. So come now. Everybody standing. For he is. 
Come now and let me pray with you. Let's secure this today. Let's solidify this decision today. Come now. He has risen from the dead. If you're there next to somebody, tell them, I'll go down to the altar with you so they don't have to go alone. Come on, challenge somebody next to you. Are you right with God? Is Jesus your Lord? to repeat this prayer with me, after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your love for me. And thank you for showing me today how I can receive that love by receiving your Son, Jesus. And Jesus, I accept you into my life Come into my heart. I pray that you would forgive me of all of my wrong and every sin that I've committed. I ask you to be my Lord, be my Savior, and help me from this day forward to live a life that would please you. I surrender to you I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Now, if you have prayed that prayer, I want you to come and see the water fields. They're going to tell you what is next, give you a little bit of, of information that will help you from this point to the next. So uh, please, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or a recommitment to the Lord, I want you to come. Anybody know what's going on tonight? carols, candles, and communion. Don't let the rain keep you away, and you should probably come early. I have a feeling we're going to have a packed house. It's going to be a wonderful way to step into our week of nativity. Please come back if you can. God bless everybody. Have a great afternoon.